Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Roger, Lori. Good morning, church. Good morning, Creekside. Man, it is good to be here. Good to see your faces. Some of you were out <laughs> like I was last week, which is no fun at all. Uh, that uh, virus has been going around, but it's good to be back and be healthy. Many thanks to Pastor Jose. I know he was, uh, I know y'all were in good hands. I got to tune in and watch the message and love what Pastor Jose, I love his heart and uh, love his ability to communicate the word. So today <clears throat> we're looking at being united, being united as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And I didn't plan it this way. Of course, if you've been here a while, you know we're following the lectionary, teaching from it, Old Testament and New Testament. But I don't think there's a more relevant message than the world and Christians need to hear than being united. I've heard and read articles that the people who watch history and psychologists and sociologists say that our country during the last three to four years has been one of the most divided that it's been in a while. Uh, you know, we were majorly divided during the Civil War. We were majorly divided during the mid-60s and civil rights. And now it seems like our nation, it's kind of a paradigm, isn't it, that these what? United States want to be at each other's throats. And so I believe that the responsibility lies with the people of God. That if the people of God are not showing that they are united, how in the world is the world to see an example of what unity looks like? And I've said this many times, the worst thing for a lost person, an unsaved person to see is the church people fighting among themselves. Amen? Nobody, you know, any kind of group you want to join, whatever your hobby is, you know, some of you are coin collectors, I'm a record collector, some of you collect all kinds of stuff, but if you go to a group for the first time and they're arguing over stuff, little stuff, silly stuff, do you really want to be a part of that group? Absolutely not. But by the same token, that's one of the reasons gangs are so popular in certain places. Why? Because they offer a community to belong to. Even though it's wrong, they are what? United. We want to find and be around like-minded people. So why is it that we Christians aren't leading the pack, leading by example, to be and show unity to the world? We're going to look at three passages, one in the Old Testament and two in the New Testament, and pull out some observations on, uh, it's going to be this way, why we should be united, what we should unite on, and how do we display that to the world. We're going to start in the book of Nehemiah. You know, ages ago I did a Nehemiah series. I love Nehemiah. I think it speaks to the, the, the ark, the journey of the people of God. I think it's a lot like us. And briefly, this passage is set up. Nehemiah has been back rebuilding the wall, and the people of God, guess what? They have forgotten what God's Word says. Does that sound familiar to y'all? The way we, you know, I, I've said it many times, and this is Scripture. The Bible says there come a time when people call good bad and bad good. I think we're there. Amen? If you're calling abortion good, I, I wonder. Okay? That's the society we live in. So let's look. This is the setup. What happens, they find the word of God, the law, the scrolls, 
and Nehemiah has Ezra break it out. And for the first time in a long time, I hope that's not some of you, you know, I, I, there's an old country song called Dust on the Bible, okay? I, I ho- and, and now, today, we live in the society where the Bible is more accessible, like, oh, my iPad, your phone, what have you, or your hard copy. I still love for my devos breaking out my physical Bible. I like turning the page. You know, remember, I, I, I've preached long enough that I can remember when I started preaching, I'd say, go to Nehemiah 8, and you'd hear this. How many of y'all remember that? The flipping of the pages. Now you just swipe left. Okay? Let's look at Nehemiah. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Big point there, all who were able to understand. Be teaching your children the word of God. He read aloud from daybreak to noon. Y'all think I preach long, huh? That's six hours out, guys. He read it aloud from daybreak to noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, the women, and others who could understand, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it. The people stood up. It's a sign of respect for the word of God. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen. Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They're humbled. Verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Ezra just didn't read a bunch of scriptures. He told them it's expository preaching at its best. He read the word and then he explained the word. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructed, the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Let me challenge you. When's the last time you read a passage of Scripture and were moved to tears? Think about that. When's the last time you dug down in the word of God so much, maybe reading what we just sang about, that his grace and forgiveness is overwhelming them? When's the last time that moved your heart just to a point of humility and gratitude? Think about that. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, just as we say. That's the other question. Is the joy of the Lord, is the joy of his word, is the joy of his instructions your strength for this divided time that we live in today? Paul would write it this way to the Corinthian church. That's, that's what we should focus on. I'll give you a little hint of what we're going to unpack The word of God is really something that should unite us, probably the most important thing. And and some of you, thank you for contributing. I put it out on Facebook. What should unite us? And everybody had great answers. There's a long list. We're going to look at three today. But 
what I think, what I believe, three very important ones. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. Just as one body, notice how much the word one occurs here. Just as one body, though one has many parts, but still all its many parts form what? One body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, for that, it would not, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Growing up as a kid, I always thought that was a weird analogy. Can you imagine being one big eye? It looks like something out of a horror movie, doesn't it? Think about that. Even Paul's relevant. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But in fact, look at verse 18. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the bodies that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be, hear this, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another, each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, Paul directs it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first, all apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing or helping of guidance and of different tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do you all speak in tongues? Do you all interpret? And I love what he says in 31. Now equally desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the more excellent way. Now I want to get something. This is kind of a sidebar to the sermon. This is 1 Corinthians 12. You Bible scholars that are here, what's the theme of 1 Corinthians 13? So when Paul says, does everybody do everything? He ends it and says, well, and remember, there's no chapter verses when Paul was writing this letter. It's one long letter. So when Paul says, yet I'll show you the most excellent way, tell me, church, what's the most excellent way? Love. And that has to unite us. The love for L1, L2, as I said a few sermons ago. You got to get your vertical relationship right. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you do that, you can broaden out and love each other as you love yourselves. 
That's the excellent way. Let's look at what Jesus said. So that, that the first one is the word of God. That's, that's what we should unite on. And then Paul writes to believers just like you and I and says, this is what being united looks like. You love each other. You help each other. You use the gifts that God's placed in you for the church to edify the church, to grow the church, to reach out to your community. And how do we do that, you may ask. And we're going to review this. But Jesus sets the example for us next. Luke 4. 14 through 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Notice how he returned. And news of him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. We can read that. He went to his hometown where he had been brought up. It's where he's raised, if you come say it from down south, right? He's raised up around here. Okay? And on the Sabbath day, their church day, he went to the synagogue, as was the custom, his custom. Jesus was a regular church attender. Imagine that. What does that say to us? That just dropped in. I don't know why. Thank you, Jesus. He stood up to read. This was part that they had people read. They had the public reading of Scripture. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to it. Notice he didn't pick it. It was given to him going to be good. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Quote, it's from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now you Bible lovers, there's also a neat little part of this. If you go to Isaiah and find this passage, there's a reason Jesus stopped with proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Because if you continue to read that passage, what happens next is God's wrath and God's judgment. And Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and judgment hadn't been taken. So when Jesus says, today this is fulfilled, it was fulfilled. But what does that mean to us? Well, let's, let's review what we've unpacked here with these three passages. How do we become united Church, we do it this way. We focus on, we focus in, and we focus out. We focus on something that unites us. We're united in spirit to each other. And then we take what we know and we take it out to the world. Number one, what should we be united on? As I said, the word of God. Nehemiah says, all the people listen attentively to the book of the law. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read? We have to unite on the word of God. If you ever have visited the church and the word of God is not preached, please leave that church. The word of God is paramount. The word of God should be lifted up with Jesus. Jesus is the word, I believe. He is the logos. 
But we have to get the word into our life. We have to get the word into our hearts. We as parents have to get the word, hide the word in their heart, it says in the scripture. And today, I've said this many times, the time is coming where knowing the word of God will be a must because the governments want to tell us a lot of things that's against the word of God, even our cities and sometimes our community. And if you don't know what the word of God clearly says, and if you don't know and understand the word of God, you may find yourself being led astray. In fact, the Bible even says that. The Bible says that the time will come where people will come up and deceive many, even the elect. That's us. And don't act like it hadn't happened before. How many of y'all ever heard of David Koresh in Waco, Texas? Said he was Jesus and people followed him. Ended badly for him. But people will come, and I think we'll see more of that as time goes by. Where people are claiming, I mean, the Bible foretells it, prophesies of it. So we have to know what the Word of God says about our lives, about living, about what's to come, especially in these days that we now live in. So that's what, I think that's one of the major things we should be united on as a people of God. Number two, how do we stay united as a people of God? I posted a meme, I should have put it up, but I posted a meme uh, last week, I think it was on Facebook, it says, what happens when you go to a Christian website to get some encouragement, and it was a picture of WWF people wrestling and fighting, and that happens sometimes, you know, even on Christian sites, where people want to argue and be divisive. I, I, I tell you, in my lifetime, I've seen people be more divisive to each other than ever in my life. I mean, it used to be we could hold separate views from each other and still agree to disagree. Amen? But now you want to yell over somebody or you want to talk down to them or you don't. We, we've lost a sense of honor and respect. And the people of God need to be leading that example. So, how do we stay united? Well, what Paul wrote, just as one body, though we have many parts, all parts, it's many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Put that in your head for a minute. Think about what a hodgepodge of difference that looked like. You got a Jew, you got a Gentile. You got a slave that serves a household, and you got the master of the household. And guess what? They're all on the same page for Christ. Wow. Sometimes we, we you know, sometimes we want to pick and argue over the most minute stuff. So we stay united because we're members of one body. We have a like-mindedness. Colossians 3, like we sang the song in Christ alone, Colossians 3 says, in Christ, he holds all things together. Our unity, our focus should be that that's my Christian brother, that's my Christian sister. Because I've said this before too, if, we're, if you are a born-again believer, these people you're doing life with, spiritual life, you're going to spend a way longer time with them than the ones you have here now. And if you can't get along with the ones now, you may, be, you may not like the first three or four weeks of heaven. So we have to love one another. And we have to be like-minded. And we have to remember we're all part of this one beautiful body called Christ, called Jesus Christ. 
And we each have our different roles, and we each have our different parts. But they all got, just as God put them together on us, all of you are here because God drew you here. Did you know that? God assembled you here. God had Bill take a job. Bill had two choices. He had two different cities. God led him to Hot Springs, him and Lori. Praise God they did. Some of you come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and you came here. Something drew you here. Maybe it was the family. Maybe it was the fantastic worship. Maybe you tolerate the preaching. But I love this family. I love being united with you guys. I hated it. I hope you all did too. And I'm not fishing for sympathy, but I hated missing last week because I didn't get to see you. I didn't get to be encouraged by you. Wasn't the same sitting there watching, although I loved watching Jose preach. I love watching Mikey lead worship. But we love this community. We love this family. And we have to remember we're united as one body with many parts. Many parts. Number three, here's the biggie. How do we show our community we're united for the cause of Christ? Because like I said, the last thing we want them to see is us not able to make a decision or arguing among ourselves when we use the Luke 4 passage. What did Jesus say? Think about this. Jesus reads this scroll. If you ever want to know what the mission of Jesus is, you just had it in Luke 4. He says, he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what do we do as a united people of God today? Well, here it is. It's real simple. We go about proclaiming the good news. And I challenge you a couple of sermons ago. When's the last time you just randomly shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you told them the story of your salvation story, how you got saved? That's all it takes. We proclaim freedom to those who are prisoners. There are some physical prisoners. We have jails here and police departments and sheriff's departments, but you know who else are prisoners? I see some spiritual prisoners. I see some prisoners bound to addiction. I see prisoners bound to depression. I see people prisoners of anger. How are we taking freedom to those who are prisoners? Same way, we bring sight to the blind. I see those who are spiritually blind. I see those who are completely lost and don't have a clue who Jesus is. I see those who, for one reason or another, are mad at God and don't want to know who Jesus is. But they're spiritually blind. I've got a sermon called Unveiled coming down the pike. We'll talk about this veil that sometimes we have over our eyes when we can't truly see the people we ought to be ministering to. We have to realize, I mean, just think of it. Just, just take, take two seconds. Ask yourself this question. Who is spiritually blind in my life, in my circle right now? Think of that person. Pray for that person and see what you can do to move to start a dialogue with them. We go about to set those who are oppressed free. We go about to help those that are marginalized with our community partnerships. This is, this is a good plug for me. I was going to play a video, but I'm going to put it on our members page. This Sunday is a special Sunday. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. 
It's the Sunday before the historic Roe versus Wade decision. And one of our partnerships is with Compact Foster Care. It's a way you can make a difference. Here's a plug for that. You know what a proponent of that I am. You can do and sign up and learn how to be a foster parent. You can learn to be a respite parent. There's children that are oppressed. There's single moms over at Change Point that are oppressed. There's ladies here in a halfway house in Hot Springs out of a bad domestic violence situation that are oppressed that we partner with, that we give monetary and we give furniture to to help create a room for them. The Hope Movement is what I'm speaking of. Great program. But we go about to set those who are oppressed free. And last but certainly not least, we constantly proclaim today and every day the favor of God to all. When's the last time you told somebody how good God's been to you? Hmm? When's the last time you said, you know, I just got to praise God for what he's doing in my life. I got to praise God how he worked out that family situation. I got to praise God for how he worked out my marriage. I got to praise God because my workplace has been safe and I'm even getting a promotion. Praise God. When's the last time we had that attitude of gratitude in front of the people we're influential with? If that doesn't show we're united as a people of God as believers, I don't know what does. But the New Testament goes on. A few more scriptures and we'll be done. The New Testament further encourages us to be united as believers in several places. Paul again writes in 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. I wonder what Paul would say about Facebook arguments today. Yeah, I... I feel that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there are no divisions among you. You know who loves divisions? Satan. Do you know who loves to divide the church and your family and everything you do? Satan. He loves deception and deception leads to division. I pray there's no division among you that you be perfectly what church? United. In mind and thought, that's word and deed. That we're all like-minded, that we have a common focus, that we have a common core of beliefs, that we stand by, that God's given them, like Nehemiah had Ezra read the people, say, oh, by the way, here's the book of law. Y'all remember the Ten Commandments? Y'all been breaking a bunch of them. And it moved them till they knelt and cried because they had forgotten the word of God. And today, many of us have forgotten the word of God. But here it is. And Paul encourages us to agree with one another, to have one mind and be united. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. I, I don't know about this. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think if I'm united with Christ, I probably won't make bad decisions. If I have the spirit of Christ... I won't make bad decisions. If I have the mind of Christ, I won't make bad decisions. Why? Because I'm united with him. Finally, one of my favorite verses. Philippians 2, 1 and 5. Therefore, Paul says, okay, let's wrap it up. If you have any encouragement from being what? If you have any encouragement from 
going to church every Sunday, if you have any encouragement from being on the membership roll, if you have any encouragement saying you're a Christian, no. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by doing what? Being like-minded, having the same love. Notice that. Having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. That's all Paul is asking of the churches he's planted. Got to read that again. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Boy, that'll hammer us, won't it? I said it before. And I've been one. How many, don't raise your hand. How many of y'all been a Burger King Christian? You want it your way. It's all about me. No, it's not. It's all about Christ. Do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What do we do, Paul? Well, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You want to be united? Think like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Because you know why? Jesus summed it up. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, we live in these united states. And there's a great quote. I googled it. And I was a little disappointed when I Googled it. Because this phrase I Googled, they attributed to one of the most prolific presidents we ever had in one of the most divisive times our country has ever known. The quote I'm fixing to read is attributed to Abraham Lincoln. And I thought of the John 10 passage, or John 8, when Jesus is into it with the Pharisees, and he cranks them up so much. The Pharisee says that Abraham's her father... And he drops the bomb and he says, before Abraham was, I am. And can I tell you this? Before that great president Abraham Lincoln said this, the Son of God said this in Mark in another gospel. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house, if a church if a family is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Mark 3, 24 and 25. Abraham Lincoln was a believer in Christ. And that's why he quoted that. But Jesus said it first. Jesus said, if we fight among ourselves, we'll eventually fall. If our country keeps fighting among itself, we'll eventually fall. As have countries before. We'll implode. But here's what I want to leave you with, church. Here's what I believe. As a people of God, united we will stand. Divided we will fall. And God gave me this as I was finishing this sermon. I want you to please listen with your hearts. We should not be looking to our government, our country, our city or community to unite us. But instead, our government our country, our cities and communities should be looking to us, the people of God, as Christians, 
to see what being united really looks like. And if the people of God would rise up and be one body and one voice and one spirit and show the world what united looks like, maybe we could shift the way we're going in this country. Maybe that voice would matter more than it ever has before. We are called, church, beloved, we are called to be united in Christ. Are you united today? Are you focusing on these things? Are you loving one another? And are you taking that unity, that love, that spirit out to others around you in your circles of influence? If you need prayers today, we're here to pray with you. This is our yearly theme is renew. Maybe we need to renew being united. Maybe we need to renew how much we love each other of one mind and dearly. Maybe you need to renew some commitments that you should have made to Christ. We're going to pray. And I ask you to pray that prayer of restoration. Or maybe you need to put on Christ to make a confession of faith, to be baptized and rise in a newness and walk a new walk, walk a new life. Whatever your need is, I urge you to stay united in Christ. Stay in the community he's placed you. Serve. Live out the word of God in front of people. Live out your unity of this family of God, this local family of God that he's so wonderfully blessed us with. Let's pray together and then we'll enjoy communion together. Pray with me. Father, as your son said, as Paul said, we don't want division in any form or fashion. We want to be united with us. Jesus is our example. He paved the way. He showed us how to live and how to love, how to forgive, how to be merciful. He showed us his joy, set before the cross that he endured as the scriptures proclaim. God, we've been blessed with the unity here for almost seven years now. I'm thankful there's been no major divisions. I pray that you give your favor to continue that. Thank you for the leadership here, Father, that is united in spirit and in vision. Thank you for the membership here, Father, that has that spirit of love that I see every Sunday when I come in. We're getting to know each other even deeper, and I know there are greater things ahead that you have planned for us as a body of Christ here in Hot Springs. Father, I pray that all of us individually would take this message to heart, that if we have any bad or broken or relationships and disrepair that we realize especially if they're with believers i pray father that that we will restore those relationships that we will realize we're all parts of one amazing body one lord one faith one baptism one spirit all for you and your glory god i would pray too that not only this church but all the churches here in hot springs and garland county here all over these united states. Find the voice of unity. Live out unity in their respective communities. And Father, the dissension and the division that we see this country seem like headed into, that we would speak loudly the words of God, the words of Christ, and we would live by example in front of people, Father, to influence them. There is a more excellent way, as Paul wrote. And to love, to love you with wild abandonment 
and to love each other as our own selves. God, keep this family of God united. And God, maybe there come a time where the body of Christ is united in a way like never seen before so that we can be your ambassadors, so that we can live in unity and peace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And thank you so much, God, for your one and only son, Jesus. Through him we pray. Amen. Creekside, we practice.